Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, and I am your host, Angelica. This is the podcast that we talk about a little bit of everything, so enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is the host of the podcast, Get the Knack. He also has a blog called The Jerry Project and three books. Welcome, Jerry, to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's an honor because you've got three amazing books that I would love to know more about. And of course, my listeners. Yeah, so three years ago, I had my first book published, and actually two and a half years ago, um, called The Dark Truth. Um, I've always been a fan of the the vampire genre, the horror genre, so when I decided that I was going to write a book, I figured the first thing I would do is write something about vampires. Um, So... Mm -hmm. My my mother of the year uh, let me watch a version of Dracula when I was four years old, mm-hmm. um, and, and I say that lovingly and jokingly about my mother. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I saw something called Dan Curtis's Dracula when I was four, and Jack Palance played Dracula, and I was you know quite taken with the character. So I uh, read the first you know I read Dracula when I was nine, uh, so. I've been taken with the genre for a long time. So uh, in January of 2016, I said, you know what? I'm going to write a book. And I wrote the first one. And thankfully and luckily and all the stars aligned and I was able to get it published. And I wrote it as a cliffhanger. So my publisher immediately was, well, we want you to do a series. So my one book deal turned into a three book deal pretty quickly. Wow. That's awesome. I thought so, considering I, I belong to all these writers groups on Facebook, and um, you hear the stories about the J.K. Rowlings of the world who you know lived in her car, and people like um, you know the Harper Lee who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, and how many times they were rejected. Um, I queried one publisher and got published. So it's. I don't know if it was serendipity, timing, providence. I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe I just wrote a halfway decent book. (laughs) And uh, so um, I got lucky and my first one uh, was published in November of 2017. And then uh, I wrote the next two and um, they're all out now and in the marketplace. And it was a lot of fun to do and I'm, I'm not done yet. So well, I'm glad you're not done yet. That's that's really good because you can always keep going and create a series of books and different other books. But how did this writing come about? How did it all start it? Because I'm always curious. It's When I've interviewed so many authors uh, recently, it's more like something must have happened, something like, you know, there was a purpose to it or they just had a passion for writing. So what what was your start of writing a book? Well, I think it's kind of a perfect storm of all of those things, right? So, I mean, I was always into uh, creative writing as a kid, and I know a lot of people say that too. Oh, yeah, I've been writing all my life. Um, I took to English and creative writing when I was in school, and um, I leaned in those, you know, literary directions. I collected books, read books as a kid, uh, you know, whether they be, didn't matter if it was comic books or novels. Um, or even, you know, uh, nonfiction stuff, mostly sports related, but, you know, stuff about football players and baseball players. So I read a lot and, you know, I dabbled in writing even when I was in the Navy, um, at my first, uh, uh, real assignment in the Navy, I wrote for our newsletter and our cruise book and, you know, they, they all knew that I kind of had this ability. So, 
then um, I started in in the Navy. I'd be, I changed jobs and became a journalist. So I started writing professionally. I went to uh, something called Defense Information School, which is where the military sends all of its journalists um, and all of its photographers and videographers. So, um, you know, I worked in radio and TV for a while, but also I wrote for a magazine. So the, the writing just kind of was part of intertwined in my life. And then as far as writing a book goes, um, in my professional life now, I work in professional football and writing is an integral part of my job. But as far as writing a book goes, I had some, I don't know if, how you want to put it, professional and personal challenges where um, I needed to prove some things and I needed some validation too. I know that sounds weird for somebody who had been writing since, you know, the early 90s that, you know, all of a sudden in 2016 that he needs, you know, to be validated in some way or his abilities acknowledged. But I don't know, maybe I had written everything you could write. I would written long form content. I'd written short stuff. I can write tweets and Facebook posts and I blog and, you know, I've written a little bit of everything. I'd never written a book. So part of it was a challenge to myself. You know what? maybe uh, maybe i can do this mhm and when you started the whole process did you go with self publishing or you, i think you did publishing first right you found somebody yeah so it was kind of interesting timing right mm -hmm. so um i was a few thousand a couple thousand words away from finishing the the book and a publisher, Trifecta Publishing House, uh, they're out of Washington State, uh, they started following me on Twitter, which I thought was interesting. Um, I follow a lot of interesting folks on Twitter and a lot of interesting folks follow me. So, but to have a publisher, and I had started following different publishers, like big names, you know, your, your Random House, your Penguins, your um, Simon & Schuster, people like that. And because I was starting to learn and try to figure out, okay, if I'm going to get this published, how am I going to, how am I going to do it? Am I going to go find an agent? Am I going to go to a house that doesn't need an agent? Am I going to self-publish? What do I want to do? And when they started following me, I thought it was interesting. And then right around the time the book was finished, they had an open call for submissions. And uh, I was having the book edited. And when it was finished, I submitted it via their um, – submission guidelines basically they wanted a query letter the first 30 pages and a synopsis so i sent all that in within 24 hours they asked for the full manuscript and within a week they offered me a contract to publish the first book i was floored wow that's fantastic yep and then I, uh, you know, I had to make some editorial changes to the book, some things they wanted done. Um, you know, I had to flesh out my main character a little bit more. Um, I had, I had some other things I had to do, but, um, you know, I was under contract and went through the whole, you know, cover design process and, um, you know, within, uh, Oh, I want to say that all started. I finished the book in January, was under contract by March or April, and the book came out in November. Wow. And it, yeah. it's like a team of people that are helping you throughout the whole entire way. 100% because they have an editor, they have cover designer. Um, you know, they're talking about all the different mar marketing techniques and all the promotion, you know, things that you should do. So I started learning all kinds of stuff. And in my professional career, I knew how to do things like press releases and media advisories mm -hmm. and, um, you know, basically come up with like a, a public relations calendar. Mm -hmm. So I was able to, uh, you know, start reaching out to bookstores and reaching out to um, different media outlets and, mm -hmm. and through my, through my contacts and in my day to day, uh, I was able to get a nice media bounce. I was able to do some uh, interviews that maybe some other folks couldn't have done because they didn't know the people I know. Yeah. If that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing to hear. Like, cause I've always wondered how the 
when you have a publisher, how does this all evolve? How does this happen? You see it a little bit through shows and, you know, movies. And it's just, you don't really see most of the behind the scenes. You kind of see like where they meet. Okay. We like your book or we don't. And then all of a sudden it hits the stand. So, um, it, thank you for sharing that because, um, I was interested in either doing self-publishing or publishing way because I am in trying to <laughs> uh, write a book and I laugh because every person I've spoken to because like everyone's like oh you should get on your book get on your book it's it's a fun experience you're gonna love it but you've got to put time into it and I'm just like yes time time you know, time time <laughs> yes angelica it, it the, the way this the way this goes it, and it's really interesting because um it, it starts with kind of what you're doing now right you have a twitter presence you have a facebook presence you have your podcast you have laid the groundwork um you know for a built-in audience so that's where it starts even before you create a title page even before you put one sentence to the screen or paper it's starting to to build a brand because unless you land with one of the the top five top six publishing houses uh, marketing and promotion is largely on you your publisher you know depending on who they are if it's a small house will do you know what they can do but a lot of it is on you i've scheduled my you know, all my book signings and I've gotten to know uh, managers at Barnes and Noble stores or uh, independent bookstores. And, you know, it's about developing those grassroots relationships. And, you know, once the book is out and you start promoting it, um, it's about getting, getting out there, uh, building an audience. I've met with a book club. I uh, did a book festival uh, this past year, I, I hadn't done a book festival yet. Um, I had mostly done bookstore signings. Um, what's funny is uh, folks like yourself are more interested in talking books than traditional media outlets like newspapers and magazines. And again, unless you're, you know, with Simon and Schuster, um, you know, Joe, independent author with the small house, isn't going to get a review in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and also it depends on the publisher it seems like you have to really sit down and kind of do your research and figure out who's your publisher who's going to get you where you want to be you got to spend a little bit more money in order to make money sort of deal am i yes. correct okay. yes you do because you know the publisher is investing their money in um getting your book to market yeah. That's that's what they're doing. They're spending money on that cover designer. They're spending money on a top flight editor. And um, my publisher's editor used to work for, you know, the top five publishing houses. So she has uh, a lot of ability. So, um, you know, that's what they're investing in. You have to invest in building your brand and, and getting your, your name out there. Um, and I've had varied success with different, bookstores in different locations and some have done really well and others you know I almost regret almost regret taking the signing but at the same time it's valuable experience the, the whole thing you know if you were to choose self-publishing you know it's all on you every last bit of it because now you got to worry about cover design and editing and learning how say Kindle direct publishing works or whatever service you choose to go with. Um, it's all about research and, and figuring out how it works. Um, you know, depending on the genre you write in, do you want to join any professional associations? I've been the last year, I've been a member of the, the horror writers association. Um, so it's, it, it becomes a, a second job. Really. If you already have a day job, this becomes you know, a second job. And that's not a complaint. That's not a complaint at all. That's just reality. That's, you know, what you end up having to do. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people who want to start a book part-time, it's part-time. Okay. We have to split 
our evenings in order to dedicate the book, do our book signings and doing the marketing if you're planning on going self-publishing and it's just more, more work. And um, hey, you can either make it or break it in those moments as soon as that book is done. And copyright, like for example, if someone's not looking through that with, you know, if you had to take something or a quote or images and all of that stuff that can take into effect as becoming a self-publisher. Yeah. You know, because there's other things you've got to worry about in the self-publishing realm that if you go with a publisher, you don't have to, you got to worry about ISBN numbers. You have to worry about, like you said, you have to worry about copyright now. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, the publisher takes care of for you. I didn't have to worry about copyright. I didn't have to worry about the ISBN numbers. I didn't have to worry about all those different things. All I had to do is worry about building my brand and, and marketing the books um, after, after they were, uh, you know, brought to market. So um, it, it's, it, I've learned quite a bit about the industry. Um, mm. You know, there are agents who on Twitter will have, um, you know, kind of ask me anything events. Yeah. Um, you know, because people are constantly trying to find out how to get their books published. I saw something on Twitter the other day that I found interesting. An agent came out and said that his problem is not finding stuff that he wants to represent is that, that there's too much that, that he's getting a lot of great submissions and he just can't rep them all. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Well, I, I really appreciate you talking about this whole process because, hey, for those who are listening and thinking of either going uh, self-publishing or publishing, hey, these have been amazing tips and advice because it got, really got me thinking now and just like, maybe I need to go through a publisher the first time around and see how this whole process works in order to do this right. Because all the time you put into writing a book, you know, that would, that would be so hurtful if it didn't go as far and then you're kind of overworking yourself and you're stressing out because you put in all this time and effort into this book and obviously you're investing money, right? So you're investing money, you're investing time. You know, you, you said that a second ago about time, time, time. Um, you know, it's how important is it to you? Yeah. Right. So number one, how important is writing the book and getting the book finished? Because mm -hmm. if that's important, then you'll get that done. My first one took, um, 13 months. Wow. And yeah, well, um, if you'll indulge me, I, I tell you kind of how it started. Um, in, I think it was 2011. Mm -hmm. I, I started writing the book and, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never written, I'd written some short stories, but I'd never written anything of length when it comes to fiction. So, um, my, my tenses were all over the place. Um, I didn't know the difference between showing and telling. Uh, I really didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. I have a cousin who is an aspiring writer and I, I shared it with him and the, I had only written about 2000 words and he sent it back to me all marked up in red. And I took one look at it and I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to put this away. I'll come back to it someday and we'll see what happens. Five years later, I pick it back up again. I, I find his notes, my cousin Jason's notes. And I took every bit of advice he gave me. Mm -hmm. I, I changed perspective from third person to first person I learned what the difference between showing and telling is I got rid of all of that um, and fixed all the tense issues and the thing just took off wow so um, you know I had a I had a character and a premise in mind and um, I did the whole story just took off so um, you know, I had to put my ego aside. I had to put everything I thought I knew about writing aside and actually like take somebody's advice, but it worked out in the end. Wow. Wow. Um, I, I really respect authors who start writing these books because it's, it depends on your journey and the hiccups you go through. It's, it's, it's quite a journey. That's for sure. 
that's a good word uh good word to use um because it definitely is from you know the moment you uh write the first sentence till the book goes to market or till you have a book signing or or just you know get your first sale or whatever it's definitely a journey um you know i set my books in the in the real world so being able to uh actually go to the places that are in my stories and research those places is a lot of fun too doing location what i call location scouting which is probably more of a movie term but to be able to go into the city of san francisco and and research different locations rather than just sitting at a desk with you know google maps open um you know it, it's invaluable to be able to to go to different places and actually get the local flavor and atmosphere and, and be able to write about it so there's there's a physical journey that goes with it as well as long as a uh, as well as an emotional and mental journey so with all of this um what could you suggest somebody I know you've given such great advice, but what else could you suggest somebody that could help them further into their book? Well, write the damn book. That's just it. Um, Part of the, you know, one of the things that in all the groups I belong to and, and on Twitter and all the other social media properties that uh, when you, you see writers and aspiring writers talking is they talk a great game about, writing a book and asking for advice and they just never finished the thing. And that would be my advice is, is sit down, make the time and write it. Um, you know, one of the things that I found interesting is, you know, I read a quote from Ann Rice not that long ago and somebody else said something similar on, on Twitter the other day. Um, the manuscript is the manuscript. It, it's one draft. I don't understand people who talk about first draft, second draft, third draft, fourth draft. The draft is the draft. I edit on the fly. I self-edit on the fly. And um, there's one document. There's not, you know, I don't understand people write 60, 70,000 words and then throw the whole thing away and start over again. I don't get that. Um, So my advice to people is you want to write a book, sit down and write the book, make the time, find the time, whether you got 12 kids or no kids, whether you have a job or not. Um, You know, I have a day job. I have a terrible commute. I have a family. Um, You know, my family supported me in what I was doing. So just write the book. That's the, the biggest thing. What happens happens after the book is finished, whether you get it published or not whether you self-publish, um, you know, find a house that'll, that'll pick you up or an agent, all of that. It's, you're not getting there unless you actually sit down and write the thing. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. You're absolutely right. And what are the names of your books that you have out currently? So the first one is called the dark truth, which is actually named after a beer, believe it or not. Um, mm. Uh, then there's the dark descent and the dark terror. So dark, dark, dark. Um, it is under the umbrella of the dark passage series. Uh, and as I mentioned, a shameless plug for my publisher, Trifecta Publishing House. Perfect. And we can find these on Amazon. Oh yeah. You Amazon. Um, the first one is available for Kindle Direct, uh, mm-hmm. um, or excuse me, Kindle Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, but all three are available in trade paperback from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, any number of independent bookstores have them in their online stores. You can find a list on uh, my website, which is just jerrynack.com. Um, and yeah. Um, here in the San Francisco Bay area, there's a few Barnes and Noble stores that stock them. Um, there's a, uh, store independent store in, in Hayward called books on B that mm-hmm. carries them. Uh, I've done a couple of signings there. So there's a few stores that actually, uh, carry them in stock almost all the time. Uh, the Modesto Barnes and Noble in Modesto, California. I'm big in Modesto. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, yeah, but online it's, it's uh, your major retailers and uh, books a million. If you're familiar with books a million, which is more of a Southeast United States uh, chain, um, they, uh, they carry it online as well. So uh, pretty much anywhere you like to buy books, you'd be able to find them. Okay, perfect. Awesome. And okay, so you've got the books and now you've got the the Jerry Project, which is a blog. Tell us about that. Yeah, the blog came first, actually. So that was, I started that about seven years ago. Um, I was horribly overweight. And um, I also wanted a creative outlet outside of work. I wanted to do something that was more personal. And I thought, you know, a blog would be great. Uh, you know, it's something I can use as a, a writing exercise tool. I can use it to keep myself accountable as I was trying to lose weight, get in shape and eat better and all that. And so I started that and that's why it's called the Jerry project. Cause it's not finished meaning me. Um, and I started it um, in almost a year to the, to the week uh, seven years ago in 2013. Um, it's a little bit of everything. It's, um, you know, there's a little bit of memoir there. Um, there's a little bit of current events. Um, a couple of, uh, separate occasions. I've done a countdown of my favorite 100 horror films. Mm-hmm. Uh, me being a horror movie fanatic that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that started on Facebook and a friend of mine uh, said, you know, I didn't do it one year. And she's like, why didn't you do this? I love it. So I decided to take it to the blog. Um, but lately it's been, it's become more uh, almost like memoir type stuff, you know, childhood memories, holiday recollections, uh, things of that nature. But um I don't blog as often as I should, and I don't make resolutions. I set goals, and kind of the goal for this year is to get back to producing more content. So I'm looking to probably write more for the blog in the coming months. But it's it's a lot of fun to do. It's, um, you know, I don't do it, like, on a schedule, mm-hmm. but kind of when something trips my trigger that, um, you know, I wrote something about, about uh, television commercials. It's just kind of, you know, whatever is on my mind at the time. Yeah, no, for sure. That's great. And I was looking through it and you started about 2013. Yep. Wow. You've got a lot of content on there. Yeah. In the first couple of years I was writing almost, almost weekly because I was charting my, my weight loss and fitness uh, progress. And then, Mm -hmm. And then in 2015, I hurt my back and had back surgery. So that led to a, a, a flurry of, of writing because um, I was off work for two weeks after that and uh, under the influence of alcohol and painkillers. So um, I wrote a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, give, it actually, when you write about those, um, when you're writing about that experience with your back and stuff, you can really get a lot out of it and kind of like it becomes relatable to a lot of people. Yeah. And it's self, uh, you know, it's introspection too, right? When you, mm-hmm. when you have a lot of time to do nothing, um, it's interesting the things that, that pop into your head. I, um, you know, was thinking about, I, I had to walk for, for rehab for, you know, to, to get better. And I'm walking around my neighborhood um, on a weekend. It's a beautiful spring day and there are no kids out playing. And that, that bothered me. So that inspired a blog post. Um, you know, just the, the process of, of the back surgery was, was something, cause that was something I, I learned a lot. You know, again, when you go through these processes and these journeys, uh, you end up learning a lot of things you didn't know before. Like I know a lot more about the construction of my lower spine than I ever wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like a time of period where you're just like, 
Well, I realized you were a runner because I was listening to your podcast, so your first episode, your first season, the first episode, and having something that, you know, you're on this journey and all of a sudden something does happen, it's, it, it takes you through a roller coaster of emotions. It does. And it's funny you mentioned that particular time period with that because it seemed like my neurosurgeon was telling me things, you know, one thing after the other. It was, you know, going into the surgery, oh, yeah, it's, um, you know, six weeks and, and you'll be fine. Well, I got to six weeks and he's like, yeah, it's another six weeks before you can, you know, be full activity again. I'm like, you told me before surgery, it was just going to be six weeks. So I had, you know, basically from the time the scalpel went in, I had 12 weeks um, of not being able to do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a 5k to train for. So when I, you know, I counted down to being fully cleared to do whatever I wanted. Um, and, you know, when I was able to finally start running again and, you know, no restrictions on weightlifting and all that, it was, uh, it was a big relief. And, you know, I was going to do that 5k anyway, but it was nice to have something to train for. And, you know, when I got cleared for it, it was great. And my time wasn't great, but, um, it was, uh, a relief to just be able to do it. And I got through it without re-injuring myself. So that was nice. Yeah. And during your running uh, period, isn't it crazy how it can become addicting? <laughs> yes. You know, it's funny because we have a, a friend of ours who runs marathons and half marathons and everything. And she, um, I, I started off by walking for exercise and she said, you're going to get the bug you're going to start running. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're crazy because you're doing all these, these events. And, you know, she's trying to do like the New York and Boston and all these, these big marathons. And I'm like, nah, I, I have no desire to do that. Well, guess what? I caught the bug. So, um, you know, and when I was traveling for work, I made it a point to, to run in every city I, I visited. And I, I did that for three years. Um, and that was a lot of fun being able to see different places in a, in a different way um, and getting into neighborhoods and, and going into parts of the city you wouldn't see otherwise as a tourist. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's funny was I haven't really run in two years because I accomplished a goal of running in every city I visited. I, the first two years I tried it, I missed a run each year because I got sick on those trips, the third year that I attempted this, I did it all. I even ran in Mexico city, um, which I, I tried before and failed miserably. Uh, you know, the altitude is such you can't breathe. Um, but I was in much better shape the last time I was there. And, you know, when I was done traveling for that year and I, the last run was in Los Angeles and I said, you know what, I'm pretty much done with this. I don't have to do it anymore. Yay. And I kind of fell off the running and I, it's something I need to get back to. Um, you know, it also helps with the regular writing and regular blogging because it would give me more to blog about too. Cause yeah. I like writing up, writing about those running adventures. And that could be another buck. You know, I thought about that. I thought about that. Yeah. I think just the whole exercise and weight loss and everything. It's funny because you see all the people out there who have these, these transformation stories, how, you know, the, the guy, somebody loses a hundred pounds in six months and was this overweight blob. And now he's got six pack abs and everything else. And, you know, I think a lot of that is, is baloney. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I mean, mine might not be representative of the majority of people, but I think it might be pretty close. It, it definitely is a struggle. Um, trying to exercise regularly, eat right, lose weight, and keep the weight off. Um, it, it's really a personal thing, and it's not one size fits all, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. I understand. <laughs> I'm a runner. Yeah, and it's, you know, when you go and you're reading, you know, Runner's World magazine or you're reading, 
Um, you know, I read men's health and men's fitness and, and all these other things. And, you know, again, you come across these people with these, you know, transformative experiences. I'm like, I've been doing this for seven years. Where's mine? You know, I don't know if it's age or genetics or uh, the fact that I can't stick to a nutrition plan. I don't know what it is, but it's, you know, I think everybody has their own personal individual experience and you can't design a a workout or a meal plan that fits, you know, a million people and have a million people have the same experience. It's not going to happen. Yep, exactly. No, it's true. It's so true. And um, when I was a personal trainer and I used to help clients kind of start their own 5K to kind of give them something else when they advance to a certain level or just give them something else that can that they can keep up and feel motivated because I would always schedule them into a race and said, okay, you're all well, your race is this day and we've got a full year to plan it because we have to consider living in Toronto. Um, Winter is pretty long season, so I would schedule it either the beginning of the spring or it depends what they're looking for. But I always say that um, it can be addicting. And also what you read, it's not going to be pertaining to yourself because everybody is made differently. Um, But you just got to work it at your own pace. Yeah. And, you know, just on the the topic of being addicted to running or any kind of exercise, um, I hurt my calf and my doctor shut me down for a month and I was miserable. Yeah. I, I thought about running every day. I'm like, why can't I run? I want to run. I want to be out there running. Why can't I run? And I had to wait for, um, that injury to heal. And then I had built up scar tissue on the muscles. So I had to, you know, do things to break that loose because I still had pain. So it was this, this, you know, basically four to six week process of just trying to heal what you think is just a simple injury. But the whole time uh, I was not running, I was thinking about running. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so, um, yeah, that feeling kind of went away eventually, but I'm starting to get that itch and that bug again. So, uh, the nice thing about being here in California is you can run, you know, year round and not have to worry about the weather. My best friend lives in Rochester, New York, and, you know, he's a runner. He used to do, um, all kinds of long distance stuff and, you know, he's doing, you know, 10 K's and half marathons now on, on the regular, um, and he's running in all kinds of weather. He went running today. Yeah. And, you know, I know what your, your weather is like in that part of the world right now. He doesn't let the weather stop him. So, you know, again, goes back to that, talking about writing books and, and that. Um, if it's important to you, you'll you'll do it. That is true. You're exactly right. <laughs> and I was stripped away from running about – it's going to be probably a good five years since because of just internal medical because I was putting too much stress. I used to run about 30 kilometers a week. And then with my polycystic uh, ovarian syndrome, PCOS, it's like apparently it took a whole over effect because of running makes you put your body under stress, especially running outside. I used to run all year round through the winter. I used to love running through the winter. I used to like just love it so much. I was I was addicted, literally addicted. I would come home and be like, oh, I can do a 5K. And then I would do a a 10K. Like it was just easily natural just to you to do it because you've got into this routine. And then once I was told I couldn't run anymore, it was kind of like, oh man, what do I do? And it was, it it felt like I went through a depression. Like uh, something I cannot do because, you know, you're trying to have children in the future and this is what you got to do, condense your running because of the amount of, you know, intense physical activity it's like all right well i guess i got no choice because i want to have a child and this is this is the steps that i need to take so it kind of it's just weird how all of that happened and then it's you you go in through this different zone and you're trying to like okay what else could i do that i'm passionate about to help me maintain weight and lose weight at the same time so Came along boxing and, um, yeah, the rest is history. Well, yeah, you know, that's 
you make a great point in that, you know, you got to find something else. I mean, for me, it started off with walking and I started developing shin splints. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, my chosen form of exercise. And now I can't do it because I'm developing shin splints. So, mm-hmm. you know, then you turn to, and you turn to weightlifting. Yep. And, you know, um, then once the your shins heal, then you start mixing in that, that other stuff. But the thing that got for me was my, um, my surgeon told me to stop running. Everybody told me to stop running. Uh, I don't listen so well. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I kept kept running anyway. Um, you know, I've developed arthritis in my lower back now. So it's like, it doesn't matter what I do. It's going to hurt anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I just keep plugging away because the pain is, is, you know, some days it's better than others, but you know, once you, once you hurt your back, that's kind of, kind of, I don't care what anybody, unless you're a 25 year old, uh, Olympic athlete, you know, you're not coming back from back surgery a hundred percent. Yeah, It's, you know, um, what can you do to mitigate the pain? What can you do to strengthen and, and, um, you know, kind of keep it from, from getting worse. But, you know, there's some days that I just don't even feel like moving, but you, you have to, you just have to keep going. There's no, I don't understand people who find excuses not to do things. Yeah. No, for sure. Definitely. And going into your podcast called Get the, oh my gosh, I'm going to mispronounce it again. Get the Knack. There you go. No, you got it. Got it. it. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> my listeners know that I cannot pronounce names. So I'm always like, oh my gosh, I'm going to struggle with this. So tell us a bit about your podcast and what it is about. Well, it's a little bit of everything, um, kind of like your show. Um, mm-hmm. So I used to, when I, as I mentioned, when I was in the Navy, I worked in radio and television, and I was a disc jockey for a while. I hosted a sports talk program. Um, when I got out of the service, I tried to get into radio and television, and I, I couldn't couldn't get a job in that industry. So. Um, I missed radio. Uh, I've done some measure of on-camera work during my professional career and uh, a lot of interviewing and a lot of uh, just a lot of talking to people and writing about it or, or you know, putting audio and video uh, mm-hmm. online. But I really didn't have a personal outlet for that. You know, it was you know, talking about what I talk about professionally. It's not, um, you know, there's no opinion from me or analysis of current events or anything. So it started off as kind of this loose format of just me talking for 30 minutes about whatever I was watching on TV, books I was reading, um, you know, things that, that in the news or in topical things that were kind of pissing me off. Um, so it kind of became, uh, you know, half rant. Uh, but then I started interviewing friends and people that, um, you know, people that I know, um, good friend of mine who I was in the Navy with, uh, his name's Chris Ingalls. He writes for a website called popmatters.com. It's all things pop culture, but he, uh, is a music reviewer for them. And now he's, uh, um, been promoted to an editor position with them and so I started having him on on a monthly basis so we talk about anything and everything pop culture related um, books movies uh, and then we started getting into politics and um, so I had some other folks on um, the writers in my publishers stable I've gotten to know several of them um, so I've had them on the show uh, either by phone or actually in person. Um, we were getting ready, to, a few of us were getting ready to do a panel discussion at uh, a comic book convention in Oakland, California. And one of the writers, Samantha, she flew out from Atlanta. Uh, another one, Mark, he came up from LA and we sat outside an Irish pub in downtown Oakland and uh, cut it up for an hour, an hour and a half uh, 
for the show. So it just, it really, there's no theme, rhyme, or reason. Uh, again, it's another thing that I haven't been doing often enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, um, but yeah, um, I've had uh, all manner of uh, folks come on the, the show as far as, you know, writers, um, friends, I have a good friend of mine, Pat Malone, who I was in the service with. He was the general manager of a amateur uh, baseball team in the Washington DC area for a while. And we had him on and we talked about that and he's a cancer survivor. And, you know, so I just try to find folks that have uh, interesting stories um, when I do have guests, but usually it's lately, it's been just me and my friend, Chris talking about pop, talking about pop culture and, and politics. Hey, whatever works, right? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good outlet and you know, we, there's usually adult beverages involved and, um, (laughs) by the the time we're done, we're, we're half in the bag and, and, you know, it turns into a, turns into a reminiscence of our, our days in the military together. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's just a lot of fun. It's, it's a different way to express myself. So, um, and you probably figured out, but now I like to talk. So, um, it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I have that production experience, so it, it's, doesn't take much to get it out there. And, um, you know, SoundCloud unlimited is not, uh, expensive. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, you have the SoundCloud uh, unlimited. You can you put as many clips in as many hours as you want. I think it's like $10 a month or less. It really isn't that bad. So oh, wow. yeah. And then you, it gives you your RSS feed that you, that you feed to iTunes and off you go. So it's uh inexpensive hobby. For sure. Definitely. And um, Get the Knack is on available, which p- platform? So you said SoundCloud, um, SoundCloud iTunes. SoundCloud and iTunes. Yep. Oh, and then right. I, also, um, I also have a page on my blog um, where all the past episodes are embedded. So you wanted to go back and, and not deal with iTunes or SoundCloud and you wanted to listen to them all from beginning to end. There's several hours of your life you won't get back. <laughs> but you got good stuff on there and i was listening to it a bit this week and last week so i was like okay i appreciate i that. you know i'm gonna subscribe and leave a review i appreciate that <laughs> yeah it's uh like i said it's you know i'm mr radio and podcasting gives people an opportunity to talk about any topic they want i i don't listen to very many of them Um, but I found some interesting stuff out there, um, you know, for horror fans, um, there's a a woman who used to work for Fangoria. Her name is Dr. Rebecca McKendry and she hosts one called horror university. And she (laughs) talks about all kinds of stuff in the horror genre. She actually is, you know, she's a professor of horror media culture. If that's an actual degree, that's Mm -hmm. a thing. And, um, you know, she talks to one episode, she talked about, you know, all kinds of horror films that take place underwater. Um, another episode, like the first one was how do you define the genre of horror? Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty picky when it comes to the podcasts I listen to, mm-hmm. but when you go looking for things like, you know, stuff like what you and I do, um, it's, it's a great outlet for people who, who, have something to say and even if your audience is 10 people uh, that's 10 people you're reaching that you wouldn't otherwise yeah for sure and it's a great outlet like you said to kind of just make it your own and you know be creative with your podcast yeah 100 percent. definitely now where can the listeners find you listeners can find me uh everywhere um so let's see let's start with social right so i have a facebook page um it's jerry knack author all run together so um you can find me there there's instagram that's also jerry knack author and uh twitter is get the knack at get the knack and knack is spelled k n a a k 
the blog is the Jerry Project, uh, which you can reach at getthenack.com. There's also my official website, which is where uh, all the stuff about my book writing endeavors uh, can be found, and that is at jerrynack.com. So a little bit everywhere. Uh, the podcast is on iTunes. Just search for uh, Get the Knack or even just my last name, and it'll come up. And also on SoundCloud, uh, as we mentioned. The books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, either just search for my name, for my name or, or search for The Dark Truth. Uh, that'll get you started. And uh, same again with Barnes & Noble and all those other great bookstore websites. Yeah, I'm pretty much always somewhere in the ether. <laughs> well, I appreciate you um, sharing everything from book writing to your blog and, of course, your podcast and giving us some great advice, especially on book writing. I really appreciate that. And, of course, all the listeners out there, um, the um, all his links to the books and obviously his website, social media will be in the show notes for all of you to reference back to and yeah, give him a show, find his books and start reading it. I appreciate that. Thank you for the shameless plug. I appreciate you uh, having me on your show and, and letting me babble on and on and on about what I got going on, but I really appreciate it. Oh, it, I really appreciate you being on the show because it really means a lot to me. And um, if you ever have anything in the future to promote, definitely come back. Just reach out to me and to all the listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And that's all we have for now. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Hey, it's your boy, Bromar, host of The Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen from the CQP Moments Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Ken, a.k.a. The Gentleman of the Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And you're listening to a little bit of everything with Angelica. That's it for now, and thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to. Are you enjoying a little bit of everything with me? Then buy me a coffee. Yes, you heard right. Buy me a coffee. All the coffee you buy me will go towards new equipment, a backdrop for my YouTube channel, and continue to keep the podcast ad free. And obviously to keep going with weekly episodes. So buy me a coffee at chaos fi.com slash everything with Ange. Once again, it's ko-fi.com slash everything with Ange. That link will be in the show notes for you. And thank you for buying me a coffee and supporting the podcast. Mm-hmm.